Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r nuclear revenge video. Today, we've got a crazy story of someone getting their own mom locked up. But first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our story of the day is I sent my own mom to prison. My sixth birthday was somehow the best and worst day of my life. It was 1985. Birthdays were one of the few okay days for me and my little sister growing up. Dad usually risked my mom's wrath, gently and cleverly persuading her that a birthday party would make us look good, and that would usually get her begrudging approval. Mom was obsessed with her image. The parties themselves were never anything fancy, a bit of cake, musical chairs, and a few balloons, but it was enough. It was nice to just have a day where tension wasn't constantly simmering at home. My sixth started off on a really good note. Most of my dad's family, i.e. the nice ones, had managed to come. As for mom's side, the ones I didn't like much, either hadn't bothered, were ill, or were busy. I didn't get off scot-free though. I remember cringing when I heard grouchy old Uncle Arnie's stick rapping on the front door. God, that guy can make a clown convention feel like a funeral. Despite that, the party went pretty well, leading up to the arrival of the birthday cake. My mom set it down on the coffee table, next to the ashtray, whilst everyone finished singing the famous song. The one I can't even bear to hear anymore. What happened next was one of those surreal moments that you never want to believe but have to because you can't run away from the truth. I sucked in all the air that my little lungs could carry and blew them out. Well, it took a couple more goes, but I got there in the end. Then, and it couldn't have been more than a minute later, my dad collapsed, his head hitting our old armchair as he went. Everyone turned, but for that first moment, nobody did anything. I think they expected him to jump right up again and say, gotcha, knowing he liked to play the fool. When it dawned on them that he'd really gone down, the adults first start scrambling around. His sister, my Aunt Rose, making a beeline for the phone. My first instinct, despite everything, was to look to mom. I saw her, arms crossed, watching from behind the island of the open plan kitchen. There wasn't a lick of emotion on her face. Dad had suffered a heart attack. He died on his way to the hospital, leaving me and my little sister with mom. In that brief moment, me and my sis had not lost only our provider, but our shield. I thought it was my fault. I thought that when I'd snuffed out the candles, I'd somehow cursed them by accident. The seeds of guilt had been planted, and every time afterward that my mom said, This is your fault. It only made me more certain that I'd really done wrong. After the funeral, you'd scarcely have known that she'd lost a husband. The biggest change to her was that our family's tight budget had been reduced even further. The lack of money, the struggle for it, only made mom testier than ever. To her credit, and as much as I hate to say it, she did do whatever she could to earn a living. A bit of cleaning work here, a bit of bar work there. She could keep the holes plugged at least as quick as they appeared. The one thing she couldn't stop was her temper. Dad had been on the receiving end in life, both for himself and for us, but now that he was gone, There was nobody. If she was ever intending to lose her temper at me or my little sister, it was up to me now to take the consequences. I remember when I was about 12, and my sister would have been about 5. 
We'd been left alone whilst she was out on a cleaning job. It was late in the evening and we'd had dinner before she left, but it didn't amount to much. A couple hours later, and my sister was grabbing at my arm, crying for something more to eat. I chewed over the idea of breaking mom's rule, don't touch the food. As we both got hungrier though, I decided to give in and go hunting for something we could eat. I wasn't expecting much, but seeing the bare cupboards and bare fridge surprised me nonetheless. I leaned on the counter and wondered what to do. Out of the corner of my eye, I lit up as I saw our pathetic holy grail, the bread box. I pulled the cover up and found two slices of bread in their plastic wrapping. Success! There was a little butter left and some raspberry jelly, so I spread us each a piece and then we just sat on the sofa eating our snack. When mom got home though, a small bag of groceries in tow, there was heck to pay. She opened the fridge and she'd just put away the eggs when she noticed the butter was missing. I was reading a book about Stanley Kubrick, or at least half reading, when she turned to look in the bin. She pulled out a wrapper and asked, what's this? Part of me wanted to give the obvious reply, but I knew better than to rock the boat any more than necessary. I told her that me and my sister were hungry, so I made something to tie us over. My answer didn't cut it for her. She came storming over and started giving the third degree with a nasty look in her eyes, like I was some pervert caught in a devious act. In hindsight, I realized that it was about power. Mom had her rules for a reason. She wanted nothing less than full control. My disobeying her, in her eyes, was a lapse in control. When she didn't get the answer she wanted, I was left with another stinging cheek. I'd become somewhat numb to her outbursts by this point. Don't get me wrong, it still hurt, and I still felt betrayed, but it had almost become routine. My primary worry was my sister. For the time being, mom hadn't touched her. She had shouted at her, which was bad enough, but she'd never crossed the line any further. Still, the worry that she would never left me. It was always in the back of my mind, keeping me on my toes. Recently, though, I'd almost started to discount the possibility, letting it slip out of mind slightly, but here, I'd accidentally dropped my sister in it. As far as my mom was concerned, she was a co-conspirator. She was guilty. I never regretted anything more than implicating my sister. As soon as she was finished with me, she went into the dining room where my sister was drawing. I only anticipated that at most there would be shouting, and that's what there was. I could hear her giving the same verbal lashing that she'd given me, except that's all I could hear. There were no crying or pleas, just mom's voice getting louder and angrier, bursting out of control. Then I heard a muffled smack. Crying followed. The shouting continued. I heard the smack again and again. My blood ran cold. I was paralyzed, my mind running in a hamster wheel. What was I doing? Why couldn't I move? I can't believe I'm being so weak. I'm meant to protect her. These thoughts just kept spinning in my head on a loop. My sister's cries were getting louder and louder. I needed to move, to do something. No matter how hard I tried though, I couldn't get up. But I couldn't continue to hear the repeated smacks, the cries. Reflexively, I covered my ears with my hands, but it did little to drown out the sound. Again and again, smack, smack, smack. Panic and desperation were swelling within me. Please stop. Stop. The words spluttered out of my mouth almost automatically. Then, for an eerie moment, the shouting, the crying, and the smacking came to an abrupt halt. 
Silence. I didn't let my guard down though, as I could feel something hanging in the air. Mom came back into the room with a face like thunder and was about to say something when there was a knock at the door. She brushed herself down and steadied herself, welding a smile onto her face before going to open it. It was Mrs. Kowalski from next door, coming over to see if we were all okay. She found her way inside and looked around before I caught her eye, pointing at me and mumbling questions to Mom. I felt so embarrassed. As slick as ever though, Mom charmed her into peace of mind and she was soon on her way. Mom's skill to enchant people around was unbelievable, both for her skill and the contrast of its warmth compared to the real her, the one keeping us locked up at home. It meant that the only time I tried to tell someone about what she was doing to us, it achieved nothing. They refused to believe it of her, but my complaints down to childish exaggeration. The despair and dread I felt following that was in like nothing a child should know. Nothing I had known. Until now. As much as I feared for my sister, I never anticipated just how it would feel for her to be on the receiving end. Never again. On the following Monday, it was back to school. I stayed late on Mondays. I went to film club after school. A small group of us tucked away in a glorified closet. One that smelt of cigarettes because the older kids used it as a smoking room. Currently, we were working on creating our amateur short films. The beauty of everyday life was the theme. We had to take it in turns because there was only one VHS camcorder to go around. When we'd all finished making our little films, we'd be putting on an exhibition in the school hall. My turn was next. I lugged the big black camera home with me, walking the dimly lit streets on my lonesome, wondering what I'd film as I headed home. When I got back, I slipped in quietly and snuck upstairs with my bulky friend, taking it to my bedroom and setting it down on the bed. For a moment, I sat with it and looked out the window, looking at the night sky. There was a crescent moon. I thought about taking it into town at the weekend, finding some beauty in our ramshackle run-down town. My mind latched onto the word run-down. Dirt. Darkness. Beauty. Then I thought of a book on my table. I got up, went over to it, and picked it up. Edgar Allan Poe. I flipped through it until I found the story I was looking for. The darkness, the guilt, the truth that can't be escaped. At that moment, I knew what I must do. I turned back to look at the camcorder on my bed. The sight of it made a violent storm of anger and resentment swell within me. My heart beat faster and harder the longer I stared at it. Yeah, I knew what I must do. I waited until my sister went to bed and my mom went to the bathroom. I hurried down the stairs as quietly as I could, camcorder in hand. I went to the living room and tucked the camcorder between the TV stand and the big leafy plant nearby doing my darndest to make it as inconspicuous as possible. Then, before she came down, I raced over to the cabinet on the other side and pulled out the special bottle of vodka. I remember Aunt May saying that vodka had no flavor, so it was perfect for slipping into Mom's cranberry juice. I put in as much as I could without it looking obvious before screwing the top back on and heading back for the cabinet. I could hear mom coming down the stairs as I gently placed it back on its shelf and closing the door. Then, as she entered the room, I jumped down onto the nearest chair and slumped. You treat my furniture with respect, is that clear? This was it. This was the beginning. I shrugged my shoulders at her, my heart racing. She didn't follow up though. Instead, she got cozy on the sofa and took a sip of her juice. 
I decided that it would be best if she drank the whole lot before I went any further. Dallas and the news finished. She finally took the last sip of her drink. Showtime. Being a kid, I wasn't exactly full of scathing, witty remarks, so I told her, You ought to get a bath because you stink. She laughed. The cutting sound of her laughter incensed me. I got up, grabbed her empty glass, and threw it at the wall. She stopped laughing. Fueled by anger, I dared to turn my head and meet her gaze. For a moment, she looked like a deer in the headlights, but then her face contorted into piercing indignation. I kept looking at her, but it was as if she was sucking the anger out of me and making it her own. Suddenly, I felt vulnerable and exposed. She briskly got out of her chair and came over to me, leaning forward until her face was almost touching mine. What do you think you're doing? She said in a low and menacing tone. I had a split second to decide whether or not to go the whole way, but I thought of my sister and of protecting her. Go to heck, you ugly witch. I'll be honest, I don't remember much after the first hit. All I know is that I woke up on the floor sore and aching. When I stumbled to the bathroom, I found out that I had a black eye too. I looked at the time on my watch, it was 5am. I got cleaned up as discreetly as possible, dressed for school, and then crept down the stairs and grabbed the camcorder. I hung around until school opened and then headed straight for the film club room, took the video out of the camcorder and put it near the bottom of the pile of tapes in the cupboard where the films were kept. For the rest of the day, I went about as normal and pretended my black eye was the result of a fight with another kid. By the time I got home, I found mom sitting on the edge of the sofa facing me. Her expression was stern, but there was a glint in her eyes. About what happened last night, she started. I don't need to make any explanations for my actions. I am your mother after all, but I will concede that perhaps things went a bit far. What I saw in her eyes, I could hear in her voice. A small part of me wanted to believe that it was a kernel of softness, of regret, of love. For my sister though, I remained determined. I simply nodded and went to my room. I sat on the bed for a while, silent and zen-like. What if she'd just shown some inkling of remorse? There was still time to stop. On balance though, I decided that she didn't have limits, that I couldn't take a chance. It would be three long, arduous weeks before the evening of the exhibition. In that time, I kept a low profile but stuck close to my sister to make sure she was safe. When that Friday evening arrived, mom had us all make an extra effort. There was going to be a number of parents and local folk turning up, so she was determined to make a good impression. We got in the car and within 15 minutes, we were bathed in the halogen glow of the school's lights. We headed for the auditorium and mom started mingling with the other adults whilst I went to fetch my film. Walking the empty halls was an eerie thing. The silence seemed to amplify everything. The lights, the polished floor, and even the dull beige-gray lockers that flanked me. It was a deathly ominous moment. Finally, I arrived at the door of our little club room. I grasped the cold metal handle, took a breath, and gave it a sharp push. I was invited into the darkness by the familiar fading scent of Laramie's, fumbling around for the light switch before flicking it on and walking over to the cupboard. I brushed its chipped top with my hand and gave the whole idea one more consideration. I could still back out. This was my last chance. I'd pay heck for it if I did. No, I've started it. I must finish it. I swung open the cupboard and grabbed the videotape from its home. 
The feel of it stirred something within me, something resembling excitement. Fear? No, it was anticipation. I walked back into the auditorium just as everyone was settling into their seats. Mom smiling and beckoning me. The sight of her smiling at me made me feel sick to my stomach, but I couldn't work out whether it was guilt or repulsion. Either way, I bared it. I sat next to her and listened as Mr. Robards, the art teacher, welcomed us and set out the order of play. First up was Jackie. She went up to the stage to introduce herself and talk a bit about her film before handing it over to be played. Hers was a nature film shot at a wildlife reserve a few miles out of town. All things said, it was actually pretty good. I only wish I could have enjoyed it. Next was Tommy, who filmed himself and his friends doing funny stuff, highlighting the beauty and shared laughter. There was still yet one before me, Lisa. She went onto the stage to do her intro, handed her tape over, and just as she foretold, her video was about finding beauty in grim things. She must have read my mind. She'd picked out on one of the most run-down shopping areas and a decaying mansion, presenting them, in fairness, better than I could have done. In such a tense situation, it seemed absurd to feel a pinch of relief over not having to directly compete with her. After she finished, Mr. Robards called me onto the stage. My heartbeat picked up and my hands were starting to get balmy. Slowly, with my heart in my throat, I got up and walked out towards the stage. Everything felt like a blur, and of all the things I could think of, my first thought was, I'm sorry that this will probably ruin Jackson's turn. I walked up the steps, across the stage, and stood behind the wooden podium, clueless as to what to say. I decided to follow my heart. Hello, my name is Jack. Tonight, I want to share a different kind of beauty that I've discovered. It's the beauty of freedom of truth and justice. This was a hard-won appreciation and one that I want to share with everyone. Thank you for listening. My voice quivered a bit and my heart was beating like a drum, but I'd managed it. Mr. Robards came over and held out his hand, and after a pause, shaking, I managed to give him the tape. I followed him to the side of the stage, my eyes welling up slightly, and stood, watching as he fed the tape into the slot. Smoothly, quickly, It disappeared into the abyss and left my control once and for all. I turned my head to the projector screen as he hit play and from behind the comfort of the curtain watched. In glorious technicolor, our beige and brown living room appeared on the big screen. In the center was me and mom, capturing the moment right after I told her to go to heck. There, in front of a whole crowd, a crowd of fellow parents, neighbors, and well-wishers, My mother watched with them as her earlier self messed me up bad. The reaction wasn't like in the cheesy movies when everybody gasps in unison. No, it was more like a steadily growing collection of whispers and noises. I'd edited the tape to finish right after she left me lying on the floor, making it by far the shortest of the films. After it finished, Mr. Robards looked at me aghast and was about to say something when there was a blood-curdling scream from the audience. It was hers, mother's voice. You rat, she shouted. I peeped around the corner of the curtain and saw her standing in her violet dress with a deranged, hungry expression on her face. It hadn't been remorse after all. She caught sight of me and went to move, but the crowd intervened, and Mr. Robards stepped in front of me. Even as one of the fellow mothers and two men blockaded her, she struggled like a wild animal. 
Mr. Robards conveyed a message to the woman up front through a series of gestures before leading me to an empty classroom. He beckoned me to sit and took a seat opposite me. He said, I'd heard that you got that shiner from being in a fight with another boy. I nodded. He says, but that wasn't true, was it? I shook my head. He says, how long has this been going on? I say, ever since I can remember. He sat back in his chair and looked down. You have a younger sister, don't you? I nodded again, and he said, has she? Tears just burst out of me. Once they started, I couldn't stop them. I just cried and cried. Mr. Robards came over and gave me a hug. The sound of approaching police sirens in the distance. Once they arrived and I'd settled down, a female officer came and sat with me. She was very understanding and asked me about life with my mother as sensitively as possible, about the tape and other incidents that I could remember. My mother was arrested. In the meantime, me and my sister were uprooted and moved 200 miles east to live with Aunt Jane, my dad's sister, her husband, and their kid. They lived on a farm just a few short miles from the nearest town, and boy, it was some farm. Lots of trees, a little creek, and green as far as the eye could see. Aunt Jane and Uncle Bill welcomed us almost as warmly as their sheepdog Shep. The house was more rustic than ours, but nicer with it. Homely, it wasn't just the decor either. It was the atmosphere. There was a warm, inviting feel to the place. I put it down to the kindness and love that existed between its inhabitants. It gave a light to the place that, as the cliche goes, makes a house a home. It was some time before the case got to court, and I never saw any of the trial. It had been decided that my testimony wasn't necessary, given the smoking gun evidence that they had. When the verdict reached me, I relaxed for what felt like the first time in my life. Guilty. 15 years. I'd sent my own mother to prison, and you know what? I didn't feel the least bit bad for her. Me and my sister settled into our new home, way of life and discovered the meaning of happiness and peace of mind. We went to new schools, made new friends, and had new experiences. I worked hard at school, got the best grades I could manage, and then went on to college. Now I've got a job in film industry and continue to work towards my dream of making films someday. My sister decided college wasn't for her and dove into the world of business. It took time, but now she's doing well, running her own boutique. Fortunately for her more than me, the memories of the past seem remote and didn't impinge on her as much as me. As for our mother, I got wind of her being released a couple of years early. She must have given the parole board a sweeping with her charm, because I can't see why else they'd want to let someone like that out at all, let alone early. Apparently, she'd slumped into alcoholism, living life night by night, throwing herself at men in seedy bars in order to get a warm bed. A couple more shorter stints in prison punctuated her new life as a lady of leisure. One for drug running and another for assaulting a police officer. Old habits die hard, I guess. A part of me says I should feel bad for her, but I can't find it within me. Perhaps a better man could, but I'm not him. To be brutally honest, there's a slither of joy in my heart. A sense that justice has been served. Karma. Kismet. Whatever you want to call it. That feeling is only galvanized since becoming a parent myself. The joy and boundless love that I felt as soon as I laid eyes on my newborn son, I knew that I could never hurt him. If anything, it only left me more bewildered at how my mother could do it to us. I guess there was just an evil in her heart. I know that my sister still thinks about getting in touch, but I've advised her against it. 
I told her that it would open a can of worms that ought to stay shut. Time in her young age takes the edge off her memories of her, and she's got a fine heart, but she still lets it take her away at times. She wants to believe that her mother wasn't as bad as all that. I think she trusts my judgment, though. She knows I wouldn't be so sure unless I had reasons to be so. And so we've stayed well away from her, leading good and fulfilling lives. That day my father died, I lost the man I loved and respected the most. It was the worst day. In that moment, though, I also lost the only reason to stick around. A new possibility to escape was created. It was the best day. Honestly, it's such a disheartening thing to hear about OP's experience and how, at one point, OP mentioned that they tried to admit to somebody what was going on behind closed doors and they weren't even believed because their mom is just such a charismatic person. It's just crazy that OP had to feel obligated to go all the way to showing a graphic video in front of everybody at a film debut to finally get the truth out there. Considering everything the mom did and what ended up happening to the mom after the truth was out there, do you feel like justice was truly served? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another revenge story that was even more insane than this one, click on that left video, or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 